welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week I'm joined by Kellen Kenny, another one of our Dragon Bites hosts, and by Dr. Pramod Vallabhaneni. Pramod is a general paediatric consultant based in Morrison Hospital in Wales and also an enthusiastic educationalist. He runs the paediatric portion of the medical degree at Swansea University and is the educational lead for the School of Paediatrics in Wales. There have been a number of interesting articles recently about some negative aspects of mandatory reflective practice and Pramod has spent a lot of his time recently talking to medical students and paediatric trainees about their thoughts around this. Today, Pramod puts a voice to this discontent and I try my hardest to play devil's advocate in a brief debate before we move on to discussing the role of reflective practice in general. Join us now for the first of this two-part episode, which will lead into a series on reflective practice guides. Anyway, let's get started. So welcome to a very interesting podcast today. We're talking about a pet hate, a love, a form of therapy. We're talking about reflections. Um, And I've been joined by two fantastic individuals who I know have very interesting um, opinions on reflection. And I feel that I am in a privileged place and being the moderator today of today's discussion. So I'm joined by um, Dragon Bites' very own Asim Javid and a fantastic paediatrician in Morriston, Dr. Pramod Vallabahini. Um, so welcome, boys. Thank you, Kellen. Thank you for uh, that very good introduction. And this is where it all goes downhill. Um, debating with my right honorable gentleman, Asim, that gives me great joy on this topic. But Asim, let, let me put this into context. So I've got an article in my hand which says, NHS reflective process is making people retire. It is making them fed up. It has had them enough about reflection because the system is making them reflect on reflection and then reflect again. Therefore, they are fed up and bored with. This is the current state of reflection we are in, in the NHS. I've spoken to many medical students, I've spoken to trainees who've been told to reflect and reflect and reflect. I personally think we are at a stage where we've lost the art of reflection because we've made it summative, we've made it mandatory. Reflection was meant to be that personal learning exercise and we've mandated into reflect upon this case-based discussion, reflect upon this mini kex, or you've did something wrong here Therefore, as a punishment tool, you will go and reflect away on these things and come back to us. And I'll tell you more what colleagues are saying in general practice about reflection. They're saying this is a tick box exercise and reflections are tedious and meaningless and wasteful, counterproductive, patronizing. And I could tell you more and more about the negative state of reflection we've led people into. So those are my opening remarks and I will hand it over to ask him. Well, thank you for those opening remarks, Pramod. I think it's fair enough to view reflections as a tick box exercise. I can see where these trainees are coming from. I can see where the students are coming from. But that's, that, isn't that just taking reflective practice in bad faith? 
I mean, reflective practice, it was brought into play as an idea because reflective being a reflective practitioner shows how you can think about your practice, how you can grow as a clinician and as a practitioner. And when they were first brought into play for medical students, for trainees, the idea was this can show your ability to grow. I mean, reflection is to wisdom what, what exams are to knowledge, after all. And what people want to know is, are you a better trainee or student than you were a year previously? And if they're going to make that judgment, they need to see your reflections. And so they almost have to mandate it, don't they? Because if you don't mandate it, then no one will do it. And if no one does it, then how do you know if anyone's grown from the year before? And it's also a practice that probably a lot of us do naturally. And all reflective practice as a skill is, is just being able to convey your thoughts and feelings on paper. Those thoughts you've had on your drive home about how things went that day, getting them down so as people know that you are actively thinking and developing, which I'm sure a lot of people are. Now, I know that it can be seen as a burden, but lots of assessments are designed with good intentions. And I think what I put to you, Promote, is if these well-intentioned assessments like reflective practice are taken in bad faith, is that really the fault of the people who are designing things to help people show that they are growing? Or is that more a problem of the interpretation of those who have been burdened with it? You make some good points, Asim. And um, reflection as a tool for growth and if you, if you think about it, if what's happened in 2016 with Baba Gaba and the whole follow-on action by her, the reflections, and now it's much more clearer, and I'm not trying to um, bring the fact that you know, GMC have now said very clearly that they can't be used against you. But if, if the idea for reflection is the ability to grow and grow as an individual, why don't we ever come up with a reflective model of having a free sense of decision-making? Why do I need to tell medical students? Why do I need to tell trainees that I need to see X number of reflections? I know we don't look at it in terms of numbers. And also you said it in your remarks there that reflection has to be written. I think there's growing evidence to say that reflection in a written form itself is causing stress and anxiety. And if you really look at the whole idea, as you said, behind reflection, that ability to grow was to have that moment of introspection where you really take out time when it's not anxious, when it's not about putting in a portfolio. And this comment again, uh, I'll just read it to you. You have to think of something you did wrong, but not too wrong when you're reflecting. And that in itself is telling me that we are choosing reflections, which might look better on paper. So my, my concern about this well-intended tool of reflection is we are writing to impress our supervisors. Are we writing honest reflections? Are we writing reflections that might sound good? I know it's a cliched statement I'm coming up with, but um, I would like to see your remarks on that. What do you think? Are we reflecting to look good on our portfolios? Yeah, again, some phenomenal points there, Promode. Um, I'll, I just want to go back to, to your first points to begin with. Um, what, uh, the, the fact that we, we should be giving people more of a sense of free decision making. You know, students 
dictating how many reflections they have to do, so on and so forth. And um, even thinking of reflections as why have it is in a written format. Now, there's evidence out there to show that reflection is a skill in, in the way that many things are skill, you know, our ability to take a history, our ability to examine. When you're a student or a trainee, we don't know if that skill, the skill of reflecting, is really up to scratch yet. So we do need to see a certain number of them to show that people are able to become better reflectors as time passes. And so having a said number of reflections to be done on a you know, mandatory basis is actually helpful so as we can see whether they get the practice they need to grow as reflective practitioners in the future. Now, I do agree, written reflections aren't necessarily the only way. And I can imagine that that's really stressful. And we are starting to get more evidence for other ways for reflection to occur. But at the end of the day, those reflections need to be documented somehow. So let's say you've done a group reflection. You still need to find a way to evidence that group reflection for someone who's going to be deciding whether you are ready to progress. And, and coming back to this point about having reflections and having them to impress supervisors. Now, that's a really good point. Don't all of us feel to a certain degree that we want to be perceived in a positive light? We can't help that. That's human nature. You mentioned earlier how reflections are often used as a punitive repercussion. You've done something bad. Reflect on this. Put it in your portfolio. I mean, what, a, what better way to counteract that than by reflecting on things you've done well and evidence that? And sure, it might impress your supervisors, but you do need to record things for your own well-being's sake that you have done things well, and it's not all about the things that have gone badly. So I put it back to you, Promode. Perhaps reflection that impresses your supervisors is there just as much to impress yourself. Thank you, Asim. A really good point there. Yeah, so I would like to reflect for my own self. Would I be allowed as a practitioner, would I be allowed at some point just to keep reflections to myself? Why do I have to share with somebody else? Why do I need to share... If I have to look at my growth, I am a professional. I've reached a stage of my career where I can self-judge my growth, whereas to prove to the appraiser, so even consultants now, it's GMC mandated that you have to have reflections and the whole idea of a reflective practitioner. So if the idea is behind that sense of growth and if I have to do reflection, it doesn't have to be positive or negative, would I be allowed? Would can we really think of a climate of reflection where it is beyond judgment, be it positive, be it negative, leave it to that individual to see where that element of growth is. And actually isn't reflection about facts, isn't reflection about feelings. The day I reflect on something today might be something different tomorrow, depending on how I'm feeling. So reflection is emotional. Reflection appeals to the limbic system as all of us human beings are said to be emotional, are we all? That's a different matter. But then apart from the facts and those feelings, somewhere reflection summarizes taking us to that finding element, isn't it? Where What have we found in that reflective mode that helps me for my future? That is where the growth is. So why do I need to keep proving it to somebody that I am growing through my reflection? And is reflection the only way to show that I am growing? Can I record my reflections in a verbal format? Can I record my reflections as an audio link? Why doesn't the portfolio allow me to record audio reflections? I can talk to myself. I don't have to write. 
because there is evidence, as there is evidence to say writing can be a therapeutic process. My question to you is, as an emerging educator and the educator of the future, would you think of a system where we can have reflections in a non-written format? Can I just record my feelings, a video-based reflection or audio-based reflection, and also bring those elements to my appraisal where the person who's appraising me gets to hear them or see them? I think you might have painted me into a bit of a corner with that one, Pramod, because I, I agree with you. I agree with you entirely on that point. But, you know, where if, even if we could find a way where reflections could be done in an audio format, whether you could do it pictorially, if you're really good at drawing, and that's much better for you to get your thoughts and feelings across, at the end of the day, you would still need to be assessed on it. Certainly at, our, at my level as a trainee, I'm expecting assessment. And perhaps as you go up the ladder, you feel less and less inclined towards having other people make judgments on what you what you feel is appropriate for you to have reflected on. However, I think one of the faults of reflection is we are limited to the capacity of our own consciousness. We are only able to reflect on the elements that we are aware of. So having an external view on the reflections we're having might give us new insights into our own behaviors. We've all had that moment, or certainly medical students do these days, where you record yourself during a consultation. I think they do this a lot more in general practice and you watch it back and you're suddenly hit with all these different thoughts, things that you did not realize you were doing. And I see reflective practice a lot in that way. And as far as I'm concerned, Promote, I think it would be just as useful for, a, for a, even a consultant level, for someone to look at your reflections and say, have you considered this? And that doesn't need to be negative feedback or positive feedback. It's just a fresh perspective. Let me challenge you on this, Awesome. You're saying reflection does need an external assessment. And, and that's where I, I suppose I fear that we're going to lose reflection because of the assessment angle to it. If reflection is all about us learning from going from one stage to the next stage, we don't need an external validation of that reflective cycle. And if you look at any of the reflective cycles that they've talked about, you know, you talk about Kolb's, you talk about Gibbs, it is what I feel, it is my reflection of that event. So for an external person to say, oh, you could improve your emotional process on this. Yeah, but that's where people are forgetting that reflection is intensely personal. It can never be summative. So I, I, I want to distance, if I can ever, the word assessment and reflection into two separate ends and really allow people to reflect without any judgment involved. If, if I reflect and say, this is moved me a particular experience. And if somebody says, oh, um, you know, is that so really? So that becomes a judgment of my own reflective process. So I, I would like a state where we allow our medical students and trainees and consultants, any medical profession, any allied health profession to just reflect. And the whole idea actually, if you think about the word reflection is it is intensely personal. So, and if you look at the bare English meaning of the word reflection, what mirrors, what are your feelings? So we can never reflect for somebody's assessment. And I know you didn't mean to say it in, in exact terms of assessment being a pass or fail, but somebody, but then I think at some point reflection is being misunderstood as mentoring. 
mentoring and coaching is somebody I can share my feelings with and they can give me their feedback and I could work on it. But I feel at somewhere in the world of medical education, reflection and mentoring are merging into one. Is that a new word that we need to coin is something I'll leave you with those thoughts. This seems like a very sensible part to draw an end to this half of the episode. We've just come to the end of our debate there and join us again next week where we're going to pick up the discussion we had following this debate and we speak in more detail about our thoughts and feelings around reflective practice. I just wanted to say thank you again to Promode for sharing his thoughts and the thoughts of trainees, paediatricians and medical students about reflection and to Kellen for moderating that discussion for us. Anyway, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. Thank you.